with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. And Henrietta, let's talk about our, our episode this week. Well, I guess I'll be leading this, this episode because um, I just went to see this exhibit, that being Camp at the Met, which is the latest Costume Institute um, curation there. Indeed, indeed. We had to come back and do a, um, a quick powwow. Yes. And, you know, I've I've been aware of this title for some time um, at the Costume Institute, and I've thought about it. I've thought about it, but, you know, not until we had uh, positioned ourselves here to have this conversation that I really sort of gather my thoughts. Because for me, camp is something that it's easy to define me as camp, and I would take that, I would take that titling. I think I am, I am uh, 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 a naturally camp person that may be contradictory is it I'm a naturally camp person no because I don't think that I think obviously there's the definition of camp implies an element of the unnatural because it's so fantastical and so extreme but I think that also a massive element of camp is being comfortable in it otherwise you're just a performer it's performative it's performative and yeah some aspect of camp can certainly be defined as uh as performative but um i mean performative from a um you know there's a difference when like a Cher or a tina turner or a celine dion or who is extra and (laughs) versus someone who is extra and it it almost makes you cringe because it's extra for extra sake it's extra for extra sake it doesn't quite fit well, okay, and I don't fit in that extra for extra sick category. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Either. So in my in my definition of camp, and, and as I define myself, is someone who has been highly expressive. I'm, you know, I'm queer, and I've I've always thought that camp was kind of mired in the queer culture. I've always I've always felt so, and um, in being so expressive, that expression is is counterculture. And it gathers, it gets a lot of attention, but camp, again, is about cutting through, being you, being you naturally, and not, camp doesn't necessarily require the response of an audience for you want to be defined as camp. And it certainly hasn't been the case for me. Camp, I think, is something visceral. I think is something unique. I think is something, as I said, expressive. Um, and uh, myriad of the definitions, myriad of the uh, um, adjectives there. Can't think of them now. You probably fill some of them in. So let me ask you, because I wasn't at this preview. I'm going to see it. Well, yeah. When it opens. But my question is, do you feel like um, camp was largely defined within this exhibition uh attempts or several many definitions of camp was leveled in those rooms at the met i think there was a there was a seminal susan sontag uh essay i think was written back in 1964 Mm -hmm. and that ended up being in fact uh, a lot of the text a lot of the verbiage that you saw um placed across the the exhibition uh andrew bolton who's a curator so it was super anchored in her writing and her essay yes at least some areas of it was because um because the essay and i, I had read the essay but i, I didn't I, I didn't freshen up on the essay but the essay essentially 
offered many, I think there were 50 plus, I think there were 50 plus different um, definitions for, for camp. And so that served a really great purpose in applying them, whether to an outfit or to a corridor or whatever the case may be. Andrew was highly, highly influenced by this essay. And also Susan, Susan Sontag was a regular visitor to the Met. So she knew the exhibit, she knows the, the collection very well. And so in many ways, I think Andrew in his speech this morning said that Susan in many ways create, um, curated that part of the uh, exhibition. That's a beautiful thought. I thought I'm, that- I'm surprised how much of her essay was a part of the, obviously I knew, I knew that it was anchored and inspired by it, but I thought that there would have been, given the the breadth of, of the topic, that there would have been other writings and works that went to inform the and, notion. And there, there most certainly, there most certainly were, and arguably one could say that um, Oscar Wilde's influence on this subject uh, was even maybe greater than hers, because he's actually the embodiment of camp, and he has, you know, uh, rattled off myriad camp statements in his um, in his time. So he's probably the most. Um, He's probably the embodiment of this camp movement. I think a lot of people would agree with that, and a lot of people would probably he would come to mind first when that subject was um, when that subject is thought of. And I thought it was very important, in fact. And I think the this exhibition is split into two categories. And the the first part is the more historical bit. It really introduced you to the camp movement, and there were a lot. And it was also very queer. So you saw images from the 17th, 18th century of like you know sort of fame men in you know all this pomp and circumstance. And so that was an important. I don't know all the names. There were Isherwood. I also, of course, mentioned um, Oscar Wilde and other influences well, they, from that uh, time. Louis, what's interesting is Louis the Fourth is often credited as being the, not even the arbiter, but the where camp really originated from, which is really interesting. I actually, not to be ignorant, didn't know much about the Oscar Wilde referencing. Um, obviously, know his work as a writer, but didn't know how much he's credited to really helping to define um, uh, the idea of camp. I didn't know that. Um, I personally thought that camp was largely defined like within the black community in terms of like drag, trans, gay, queer community. Like I think that's where my mind largely goes to. Mm-hmm. Well, and that and that's an interesting point in that I think a lot of people would identify or place camp in a more contemporary place and um, some of that in the sort of black gay urban space for sure but no 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 doubt this no doubt camp originated you know centuries I guess it's the aristocracy and the wealth and the more is more is more exactly more is more is more nature of it all and as well and as well like the emergence of the the term for example the um, Andrew had broken it down and I certainly he's he's so so astute and so knowledgeable and on, 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 and obviously he worked on he curated this so he knows the process and knows what the what all the influences are and what made him made the decision. But for example, Sukampe is an actual verb and he broke it down. Like the first section was like um, where camp was a verb, the second section where it's as an adjective and the third section where it's a noun. And it's this smart. yeah, I thought that was really interesting and this Sukampe to be camp is was really to be camp was 
first define, and this is an image, this is the first image, one of the first images in, at the entrance of the exhibition, and that being the the cocked hip of a Greek bust, a small bust, and the hip is cocked out, and the the um, the elbow is on the hip is on the on a Greek bust. Was oh. there even any clothing? No, there was no clothing. That's amazing. So that that was so a, that really defines that it's an attitude. Okay. Love that. I love that. And then juxtapose right there, you know, literally linking centuries, there was a, um, a Vivian Westwood um, uh, sort of, a, not a bus, but a, a man, like a mannequin of a man wearing the, the banana, wearing the banana oh, leggings. Oh, yeah, yeah, So that was right there. So that set a particular, that set a particular mood. And I thought that image, that bust, with that little hip askance, that attitudinal um, sort of like display of camp, I thought that was a very important thing to that, set the mood going I in. I love, I love that because I think so much of camp in the mainstream vernacular is attributed to clothing. Particularly as it pertains to obviously the Met Gala, it's all about clothes, Vogue and their affiliation, it's all about fashion. Like it's a costume institute on a really basic level. So I love that there is this kind of representation and manifestation of an attitude over, and then you're then led through with that in mind to like lens the clothing. That sounds really awesome. And then, but when you go through the historically, um, the historical uh, um, anchored room, and then you go into the more contemporary room that is like on two levels, there are vitrines above you that you don't know, from, it's a little. I think that w- they use the same sort of technique during the was it the Gautier one or a recent exhibit. They use that in where it's like two layers of like essentially two floors. That was a bit strange in that you couldn't really look up close to some of the garments. But one of my issues in the second room is that it felt very commercial. It felt almost. I don't want to be disrespectful, but it, it felt almost pay to play. You know, there were there were an an inordinate amount of like. Gucci and caring brands and things that were so like why are you even here? Like why are Beyond you here? Beyond the fact that you sponsored this entire situation. well, yeah, it was almost it was a, a clear collusion somehow um, with some of the brands that were represented and some just logo things that didn't really speak cam to me. And also when they went into the second room, it's almost as though they. Forgot about supporting. <laughs> forgot about supporting um, um, the, the the mission. It's almost just like okay, this is a colorful tool dress. That okay, this is this is cam. This is colorful and expressive. Yeah, cam. but how how much of that is really anchored in the idea that this exhibition? I think there's a lot around the these Met exhibitions, the Costume Institute exhibitions. That is really about attendance and making sure that it's popular and you know, the McQueen one broke records, then the last one, um, you know, Heavenly Bodies broke records. And it, it's really about attendance. So really, I wonder how academic, you know, the level of critical thought, like how deep can you get into that when people just really want to look at clothes, especially clothes that feel contemporary, clothes that feel like you can identify them. It's either an iconic moment or it's something that you can potentially participate in today i mean on a really basic level gucci are sponsoring it so how much of that is to drive sales i mean even the mention of the dapper dan piece that is from 2018 and not you know not the original and not the original from what is it the 80s so 
I think there's always going to be a commercial layer to it in the way that there is for a Coachella or a Glastonbury or a Burning Man or whatever. Like these things have been commoditized. So I think there is a, a level of, I always approach these things with a level of suspended um, reality in a way because you, or suspended critical thought, shall I say, because it also has to be mainstream to a but, degree. But you know, like in a way, I feel that. <laughs> that the museum corridors are almost sacrosanct. It's almost that you have to you have to honor <laughs> the truth in something like that because it serves the purpose of a historical uh, reference. It's almost lying in history books. <laughs> right, but there's also, this is such a polarizing topic across many communities, inter-community. It's a really complex topic in a way that if you really drilled in I mean on a mainstream level I don't know like I don't know like I I, it was interesting like when it was announced as the topic it was very polarizing and there was a lot of chatter around you know why and what does this mean and this you know I'm offended and camp because people weren't really looking at the true definition of camp and I think as it progressed and people got used to the idea and there was more press and literature around the idea behind it and Susan Sontag's essay and and everything like that I think it became more like okay let's wait and see but really, how academic can you really get around such well, a layer? Actually, very academic, very academic. And speaking to Andrew, and speaking to Andrew, and in speaking to the other curators, in fact, this is this comes off as one of their most intellectual um, exhibits because it 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 wasn't just a one avenue, it just wasn't one lane that you could travel. It had all these tributaries that had that needed to be considered and, and all these definitions that sort of needed context. But funnily enough, you mentioned the black gay urban sort of thing that to be honest, Henrietta, that was not seen at all in this show. Where was the, where was the Patrick Kelly? You know, and that's what I mean. Like, you know, Andrew is a tremendous curator, but I think the lens by which he saw this and his team also see saw this, it didn't it didn't include a very important, a very important part of the definition of camp. And I think that has to, that's what I mean, you know, a museum uh, exhibition like this should almost serve as, it updates and serve as a real referential tool. But when you're like, when there was such stunning omission, or at least (laughs) the omission of like an important one black um, camp influencer, and considering how the definition had moved forward to include that community, it seemed like that would have been an important charge for you that was overlooked. And I don't want to, I don't want to split hairs, you know? Sometimes it may sound like we're splitting hairs here, but again, I cannot help because if the image of us are not being represented, I mean, not being represented in these sort of things, especially when the definition is really a reflection on someone like myself, I'm suspect. I think that's odd, if I'm honest, because I do feel like the definition and how camp has been defined particularly in modern culture and popular culture has been largely defined by blackness and black culture so I'm surprised and LGBT for sure so I'm surprised that that was missing that being said to your pay-to-play point it's kind of like um magazine pages today exactly how I saw it in many ways you get the you have to sometimes Run an advertorial. You have to, but you have to weed out the 
substantial content, the content that you want in there, for the content that's paid. These are the people that are keeping the lights on. And so that can sometimes take precedence. So, you know, a Patrick Kelly garment or section could have been taken over by people who are paying to be there. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, and I don't someone have else, answers, Someone but. had mentioned to me um, Miguel Adrover. You know, Miguel Adrover was one, of, was one of the most influential designers to emerge from New York, let's say, over the last three decades. And he, talk about camp. I mean, that, that man shook the fashion business back in the 90s and really reshaped it to to such campiness that uh, his lack of omission or his lack of inclusion was a real omission from this, I felt, as well. So was it a fashion moment for you? You're such a... I mean, I know you get excited by that stuff. I still want to go to Montreal to see the Mugler exhibition because I just... I want to get your take on it. I want to see your reaction to it. Was this... Was this a great fashion moment? Not necessarily. Not necessarily um, for me. Um, not that it was a bad fashion moment, but, you know, we also have to recognize the times that we're living in. And also, that's a that's a key point to note. Um, the times that camp is, you know, running rampant is often times when um, the culture is, you know, there, there needs to be some sort of, like, rebellion against mm. culture, the rigidity of culture, the, you know, the yeah. marginalization of people. And so, in many ways, the climate, and, and Andrew had explained uh, that is one of the reasons as well for putting on an ex exhibition of that kind during this time, is that, you know... A, well, let's talk about our, our, our times right now. This is a time where people are, are are pushing back. I mean, look at what's happening with the Trump administration and in Venezuela and in parts of Europe. I mean, this there is you go. this really could be considered as a as a rebellion against the right. Absolutely. And the hell the far right has really come into nonsense and you know, right front and center. But do you think that's also maybe with that thought in mind why there was a focus on a lot of contemporary clothing because actually with the cultural and political and social climate that I just that's mentioned, it's a short it's like a shortcut. Do you think <laughs> that those contemporary and by contemporary I mean brands of today there's a spotlight on them because there is uh, that resistance and that tension against I agree. what's happening and coming from the right. I absolutely, absolutely think so. And as well, we're in a very showy performative um performative age so it, it kind of goes it goes along with that as well remember instagram is where we're posting and showing our lives and we're looking for color and 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 volumes and shapes and all those sort of things so in many ways it speaks we have the tools now to show our campiness and the culture is that we have to push back against this right regime and so yeah it's, a, it's an interesting time to to level this kind of subject but it's also coming back around in the fashion psyche i think if you look at even with what the things were inspired by that podcast episode. You were talking about, you know, Moa Lola. You were talking about Ib Kamara. You were talking about all of these yes. amazing shapeshifters that feel like a really progressive version of camp. Yes, yes. That's I'm... very much in the in the zeitgeist right now. That's very much. Yes, is in the ether for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's 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 an interesting that's an interesting um, reference as I well. Just thought of it off, just off the top of my head. I, I was just thinking about the whole idea of the 
the rebellion and contemporary progressive camp and it just it just made me think of all the things that we're loving right now and all the things that you mentioned that's in that episode. actually uh that's actually a key that's a key reference and to be honest it almost speaks to some of them the Eb Kamara and those kind of the 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 Fela Gucci's and mm-hmm. these kind of people they're all let's be honest they're the contemporary equivalent of the Patrick Kelly's yeah you know but no meanwhile Kwazumi, you know that guy that made that those tool dresses, the Japanese guy mm-hmm. that made those tool dresses, you know, few outsized, crazy, 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 that was just shown for the first time, like, I think two weeks ago. <laughs> he has two dresses in that exhibit, you know? And that's what I mean. Like, I'm like, we could have dug a little bit deeper. We could have had our sections with these culture-shifting, you know, people of color, particularly men, campy men of color right now. But I sense that while a tremendous amount of research took place to execute this some areas just didn't get its uh its due coverage i'm so surprised about the lack of blackness though like especially from vogue they can't i mean vogue i mean they're so well the love of blackness and how that's so in fashion i'm really surprised that that wasn't Honored yeah, but the the how black is in fashion and black's influence on fashion are two very different propositions, you know, especially black influence on um, the history of fashion and the history of a certain expression. That becomes something different. That's where the credit is not being, the credit is not given there. Come to think of it, one exhibit exhibition that I would love to see at the Met is actually black and fashion. Yeah, good luck. I would... I would good, good luck for that. I would come. love to see that. Don't just give me some black kids up at the Met Ball, you know, for a photo op. Give me black and fashion. I wonder if Andrew could handle that. I wonder if actually, I'm sure he could never, handle. He, he could handle anything. That wouldn't. I, I mean, there was there was even you, when China through the Looking Glass happened. I thought that was very specific. When Heavenly Bodies happened, I thought that's incredibly specific (laughs) this no that would be so interesting and if that were to happen in the next two years talk about culture shifting talk about reparation it wouldn't happen that would be actually i was gonna say it wouldn't happen with anna winter at the helm i don't know that that's necessarily true because she's super progressive these days i um, would be so interested to see if black they would and fashion black what's the and, premise let's go black 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 no, and their I, influence I, in fashion. I, I like black and fashion but what's the premise blacks influence in fashion through time and we're talking about african influence as well how tremendous would that be how many uncredited discoveries would be there so you're you want to drill down on because to me my immediate thing is it wouldn't how would that be different from the pay to play i mean i think of the (laughs) valentino debacle of out of africa or whatever nonsense that was like it's it's no 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 girl you have me wrong no 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 i'm not talking about white people appropriating african aesthetics and you know for their european lines no i'm talking about black people's influence on fashion through time and and with ancient african history and the influences from that era that is something that's a charge i would love for Andrew to take on you are more likely to get 
black or African influence on fashion. No, I don't want that. Where they talk about Valentino and Burberry and Vuitton and Gucci and all of those brands and how like Saint Laurent like loved Morocco and so did Mr. Dior. What you're talking no, about is I, a stretch. I don't I don't I don't want that. We know those we know those little those little stories. No, I don't want that. I want a rigorously researched um, exhibition that really captures the black flair, the black sauce, the black swag that has been co-opted and appropriated over over time. What would that red carpet look like? Oh my gosh. That red carpet would be a red carpet that we would we That's would why, actually desire to be that is to go actually, to the Met. That is actually why that will never happen. That would be phenomenal. That black carpet, uh, the, the black carpet. Black carpet. <laughs> look, at me, make, look at me making plans. No, that red carpet for the opening night of the Met or the whatever that whole first Monday of May is, um, it's too culturally let's, and racially sensitive. Let's see that it. That would never happen under Vogue. Let's see it. But we were able to do Chinese. That would never happen under Vogue. Like, Watch. how were we able to do Chinese and their influence on fashion and not, we haven't gotten to the black? Okay. I just don't, okay. I think that these things are largely, I mean, the, the red carpet element is a massive part in, in selling and promoting this night, who's invited, who is photographed what they're wearing I mean it literally will take up a week of press a week of social coverage it's a really big deal and I just feel like the topic of appropriation is so tricky no one is going to touch that shit with a barge pole like I just don't like see you're, it. you don't want to see like I don't you know, see like colonialists in like no, kinte fabrics you, flying up the steps the red carpet <laughs> would be a disaster I don't see that happening Anna Winter and Andrew Bolton at the helm of being in charge of this, of curating this, of researching this, of putting it together. It's going to be a whole like Dior in Marrakesh. We don't want Dior in Marrakesh. Of like, no. you need to start bringing in, like, the, it, it's going to have to have a team of a whole other people. Like, I just don't see it. I mean, I think that they will think it's too messy. Well, um, <clears throat> probably that could be a. That could you imagine be a... And, Andrew Bolton, Anna Winter, the face of of. No, they would have. <laughs> Maybe when Naomi Campbell's the editor of um, oh, Vogue, African, Africa, Vogue. African Vogue, <laughs> Maybe she and then li- she she's the guest okay, host she... instead of Anna, and then they get some like amazing anthropologist or. Um, well, you know what? As a marketer, you're great thinking. Actually, that's a brilliant this tie-in. Is, this is the whole thing. You're br- a guest. It's a guest editor and a guest curator. They get someone really amazing and well-versed in African culture from the continent. Naomi Campbell is the editor-in-chief of Vogue Africa. She is the um, chair, whatever Anna Winter's job is. Anna Winter is stood next to Naomi and Andrew Bolton is stood next to this next curator. (laughs) That is the only way that it can work. And there are literal guidelines on the red carpet. There will not be a Kardashian to get it wrong. There will not be a Katy Perry to blow your shit up and talk about... Like, it would be... It could be done. 
It could be done. There would be so much red tape on it. It could be done. It could be done. And I would love to see it because, you know, considering all the subjects we discuss here and considering all the issues surrounding race and fashion, how tremendous would it be? We're like, oh my God, our contribution, our contribution. What exactly is our contribution? What does anyone know about our contribution? What does anyone know about our history? Another reason why I think it won't happen is because particularly, I mean, these things are also really built in truth in some parts so you know camp while they may be um disregarded or or didn't include you know parts of blackness or parts of this or parts of that it for the most part was truthful i think that to honor that truth you would have to look at the exclusion of blackness in fashion up until essentially Mm. this point and if you look at the whitewash of the 90s if you look at how black models and blackness was like very prevalent in the 80s and then it just disappeared I think you would have to look at that and that would have to be addressed and I don't think it's that's too something close that, to home I just don't think that's something that could be addressed in a sensitive and articulate and intelligent academic way because essentially like you said it is reparations like what are they gonna say what's Anna Winter's quote <laughs> I just didn't I just didn't see any black people for, for 20 years like, do you know what I mean? It really would have to be looked at because it's a good point. Great to point. do something like that, you would have to gloss over yeah, the, the, a lot of the fuckeries yeah, yeah, that actually caused point. us to get to this point. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that the red carpet would be a problem. I think the exhibition would be a problem. I think that it would really take someone to wholly own, you know, like it really would be a replacement editor and a replacement curator to, um, or editor-in-chief rather, and a replacement curator to make that happen because, I mean, to hold a mirror up for what for Andrew Bolton and, and Anna Winter, to hold a mirror up to the, in, the industry as these gatekeepers who essentially were the problem or part of the problem or could be described as part of the problem or the bottleneck or however you want to describe it, I just, I don't see that happening. So you'll put it in the same bucket as Naomi Campbell atoning for her. (laughs) You keep, mate, you keep. You're like, no, just keep, keep it moving. (laughs) I would work on that though. That'd be sick. Well, so let's go back to the original question. Was the exhibition camp? I think out of the two of us, only you can really speak to that, but I, from what I've seen and what you've said, I'm sorry, without the inclusion of blackness, black culture, black queer culture, I don't see how it really could be a true representation of camp. Well, what I will say is that it has, it the, the historical information on camp was well, I, I, it was well received by me, and I think it's an important reference for people who um, didn't have an understanding that camp um, would germinate in another era. That was really important for me. I think that's an important distinction, because I think even when this whole exhibition was announced, it really was, uh, a lot of people were really gravitating towards a modern idea of camp. Right, which which that, that's their that's their shortcoming. I don't, I you know what I mean. And this no, is... no, no. But that's what I'm saying. I think it's in, it's great that this exhibition has historical context and cultural context and can actually and an intellectual context. And I think that's important for people to know because when you think of camp, you really the mainstream think of one very it's through a very narrow lens. And I think that this exhibition can open that up and really provide 
its place in culture. Like it's a very significant, important part of culture that. Absolutely. And I, as you, you know, though you may not have a, 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 a solid definition on it, you, you know the cues. You know, for example, as I said, we, they reference Versailles, they're uh, Oscar Wilde, um, Christopher Isher, um, Isherwood, and like Susan Sontag. Those are the sort of personalities that anchors this camp conversation in the rooms or this camp presentations in the room along the way. And I, so I think for sure there's there much takeaway but for someone like myself, I just wanted to see uh, a bit more representation as it pertains to me and my people and their influence on that movement. I'm really excited to see it. Um... And FYI, it's it's concise. It's not it's not like you know rollicking rooms upon rooms upon rooms. It's actually like very like two distinct room and a, rooms and a corridor. But I like that because yeah. I think it can be a bit overwhelming on the senses. Um, okay, that being said, I'm not going this opening weekend if it's super concise and small because um, I don't... I, I Too many people. Yeah, no, no, you don't need to go this um, weekend. Yeah. Go next week, though. Go okay. next week. I'm excited to see it. And um, let us hear your thoughts for those who have an opportunity to check it out. Send us your comments. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Uh, it's my time for something